Welcome to the UIAA Connection Podcast. The UIAA would not be able to broadcast this podcast without the support of our business partners. Thank you to all of the gold and silver business partners of the UIAA, BSN Sports, and our contact, Jeremy Macy. Final Forms, AMP, with contacts, Julie Renner and Clay Burnett. Granite Canyon Wealth, and our contact, Megan Palazzo. Jostens, and our contact, Molly Shaheen. NCSA, Next College Student Athlete, and our contact, Paul Putnam. VNN Varsity News Network, and our contact, Jason Jones. Thanks again to all of the gold and silver UIAAA business partners. Welcome to another edition of the UIAAA Connection. I'm your host, Mark Hutch Hunter. And today's guest, we are thrilled to have Kathan Beer, CMAA Athletic Director at Tooele High School. Kathan, welcome to the program. Thank you, Hutch. We're excited to have you. Let's just jump right into the, uh, the first question. Give us some little background about where you grew up, where you went to high school, college, and maybe if you played some sports in your younger days, that type of a thing. Okay. Okay. Um, I grew up, I, I was actually born here up in Utah, but my family pretty quickly moved down to Texas. Um, I grew up, my younger years were pretty much spent in Lubbock, Texas, out just over, you know, West Texas, Texas Tech University, that area. And high school years, for the most part, were spent in Grapevine, out in East Texas, Dallas-Fort Worth area, out by the airport there. Um, oldest of six kids, which ends up being a big deal because I interact a lot with, with my brothers and sisters, and we always involved in doing sports or things like, along those lines. Um, I really enjoyed, to be honest, coaching my, my younger siblings. Um, I had the opportunity to coach my sister in softball a couple of years. My dad asked me to do it and kind of fell in love with that. I was in high school at the time, even at that point. And it was a little different coaching a sibling, that's for sure. Um, we had some conflicts on the mound. She was a pitcher and had some fun doing that. Um, growing up, sports was always a big deal for me. Um, I was involved in pretty much anything. Growing up in Lubbock, Texas Tech would have a sports camp every year. And it was a week-long sports camp, and several years, my parents took me to that, and a whole bunch of different, kind of just introduced you to sports um, in general. Um, sports was such a big deal that my parents got me a journal when I was young, and they were a little disappointed. Well, my wife I was actually more disappointed in me because she picked up my journal one day from, I was probably eight, nine years old, and all that's in there were... Cowboys scores and Texas Rangers scores. I, <laughs> I would maybe, I would maybe mention that Grandma and Grandpa showed up, and meanwhile the Cowboys won or the Cowboys lost or the Rangers won or lost. I'm diehard Rangers and Cowboys fan. It's grew up down there, so that's how that gets going. Um, but I was involved. I can. I've been involved in a bunch of different activities. Actually, was on a tennis team for a little bit in junior high, but a junior high tennis team. I also grew up playing soccer, played some slack soccer, played baseball. Um, kind of a little bit all over the place there growing up. And then high school, um, 
continue kind of with soccer and baseball. But to be honest, I wasn't one of those star athletes. Um, it was one of those situations. And looking back on it now, maybe it was a function of the family I grew up in. Parents didn't have a lot of maybe resources or whatever to put me in a bunch of programs. Mm-hmm. And that probably hurt me a little bit, but it gave me some uh, different perspective uh, as far as, you know, I wasn't the stud. I was never the stud on the team. I wish I was, you know, but that just wasn't to be. But I went to, I graduated from Grapevine High School. Um, like I said, that's the Metroplex area of Dallas-Fort Worth. And went to went to BYU after that. I served a two-year mission for the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints down in South Africa. I was in Johannesburg. Um, right before Joburg. Mandela took over. I was in okay. Joburg. I was well, in Joburg. I was the reason there right I ask is, is my son was in Cape Town back in... Oh, was uh, he? I want to say 2000... Oh, let's see. It's got to be 2001 to 2003, maybe. Maybe 2004-ish. Really, I, I was there 92 to 94. So I was there at the end of apartheid. Um, Nelson Mandela took over, was like the president... Um, April of 94, and I left in March of 94. So I was there right at the end of apartheid. Well, so, okay, so since we, we got on that topic, so how was that? I yeah. mean, being in a foreign country, one with apartheid, and then having mm-hmm. that end, was, was that a little bit scary or, or being someone from outside the country? How was it to watch all that happen? Well, it, it was strange because i felt like growing up in texas i mean you're in the you're in the south and bible belt and it definitely has its history of of um racial divide i'd gotten off a plane into the 1950s um because they had separate restroom facilities separate drinking fountains i mean it's everything i had grown up with and i had seen a little bit of is growing up in texas i was i was bust um in elementary and junior high, we were, we were forced to be bused to school across town and vice versa. So going down there, I, that's what I felt like. I felt like everything I had read about in the history books, that's where I was at. So it, was, it opened my eyes, though, to, to a lot. I, and it's had a huge impact on maybe the way I see things. Uh, and I appreciate that because I had the opportunity to, to work in the, the Black townships uh, for the last year of my mission and absolutely loved it. Loved the people, played a lot of soccer down there with them with a little tennis ball in between the bricks. I mean, they didn't have much, but they, they loved their soccer and loved that opportunity. It was, it was, it really shaped kind of where I am today a little bit, to be honest. Wow. That's fascinating. Thanks for sharing that. So then you yeah. go to BYU. Uh, yep. Maybe did you meet your spouse there? Uh, I did. I met her. She's from actually Lehigh, but we were working together um, over the summer at one of the ca- student cafeterias down there. And that's how I got to meet her. And then I graduate from college. I graduated from BYU in 1997. I'm a social studies composite major. So being as it is, instead of Utah, there we're a dime a dozen. So my first year out of college, I substitute taught. Uh, my wife wasn't quite done with her degree, so we were sticking around. And then one day I get a phone call from, a, from the vice principal of the school I had graduated from. 
And she said, we want to hire you. And I said, okay. I said, when do you want me to come down for an interview? And she said, no, we want to hire you. I said, well, I just got out of school. I, we, I don't know you. Well, it ended up being my ninth grade English teacher, but she'd gotten married. So I didn't recognize the last name and okay. wasn't on a first name basis with her. She goes, I remember you as a student. We want you to, we want you to come work here, but we'll do an official interview over the phone and then we'll have you come down, you know, in August and get set up. Um, and I, I get down there and one of my mentors, one of the guys I really look up to was, was the baseball coach of the high school. Like I said, I didn't play a whole lot, to be honest. I, there, we had moved for just a year to Omaha, Nebraska, and I kind of interrupted a lot of my sports playing or whatever. But he walked up to me after uh, the first opening faculty meeting, and he says, do you still love it? I said, what are you talking about? I said, I said baseball? He goes, yeah. Do you still love it? I said, yeah, I love it. He goes, come coach with me. So he put me on as the sophomore head coach, which said a lot to me because, like I said, I didn't play a whole lot for him, but he recognized, I mean, I had some skill, you know, like I said, I wasn't a stud, but I had a passion for the sport. And to be honest, I thought after high school, I was done being involved in sports. Um, I went to school to become a teacher, didn't think there was an opening for me, but yet here this door flew wide open. And it was, it was a great opportunity for me to get involved and learn. He had, I think he got to 300 wins. I mean, he was, he was, it was around, they had a lot of success in, in the state of Texas with his program. So it was, it was real good for me to be around that and to learn from him. So that's, that's standing back in Grapevine then. Yep. It's there back in Grapevine. So I coached a couple of years there. And I remember one day we were playing a team. Like I said, I had the freshman sophomore team as head coach and the team in the other dugout, there's some language issues coming out of there. He pulled me aside. He said, Katham, we will never, ever hear that out of our program. If you do, you take, you forfeit the game, you get on the bus, you come back and you run them. We will never represent, we'll never do that. And he goes, I will never allow language on the field. And it, it, you never did. And he had policies, I mean, for every swear word, for every letter in a swear word, it was one mile. And <laughs> so you were almost automatically four miles starting out. So, but it had a huge impact because it showed me that you can be successful and do it with, with a lot of class. You don't have to give up your values or what you stand for to win. It's not win at all costs. It's, you know, let's make, let's bring good young men in a program and let's make them better and let's have some success doing so. So I, lo I, I love that opportunity I had to work with him. Excellent. Thank you for sharing that. Let me ask you on a totally unrelated topic. So go for it. I've only been to Grapevine once and it was at the national okay. conference back in 2000 oh. and mm -hmm. I want to say 2009. If said that there's a Gaylord hotel there. Mm -hmm. So my I question is, I didn't live too far from there. So was the Gaylord hotel there back when you were in Grapevine? Because you go to the national conference and it's there and you're kind of hostage isn't the right word, but you're that's, unless you had a car, that that's where you spent your whole time. Yeah. Um, growing up, it wasn't there. I don't know when that got built. When we moved back, I think it, it might've been there. In fact, I think it was, I think it was just kind of barely open. So I was back there. I taught down in Texas from 98 to 2001. 
And I think that's probably about the time it came online, somewhere in that time period. And we actually lived in a townhouse, not even a mile from there or so. I mean, I yeah, so I'm guessing that because, area. and the only reason I know this is because I've, I've been in the room. They put that college football playoff on every Tuesday or whatever. Mm-hmm. Those mm-hmm. people meet at the, at the Gaylord in Grapevine there. And yep. uh, I was fortunate to be on the board back in 2009, the IAAA board. Okay. And the room that we met in is the exact same room where these people are. And of course we didn't have all the TV set up and all that type oh, of yeah. thing. So that's, that's interesting. Yeah, so you no, mentioned- I lived, we were down there. Like I said, we lived that part of Grapevine growing up. I was on the other side of Grapevine, but that's where we moved down. If I was married, that's where we lived. So know the area well. Okay, so you mentioned uh, one of your mentors, your high school baseball coach that you worked with. Are there mm. other people that had influence in your life, either growing up or uh, since you've become involved with the UIAAA or which since you've been involved here in Utah? Yeah, there's been, well, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the principal who offered me this position. Um, he came up to me, he was brand new, his name is Jeff Ham, and he came up when he had just been hired, this would have been well, this is my sixth year as being an AD. So this was like 2015. It's, or yeah, 2015, he came up to me. He'd just been hired. He said, so you're going to apply to be an AD. You're going to apply for the opening. And I said, are you crazy? I'm not that stupid. Yeah. So that, was my resp- <laughs> that was my response. And I went home and I told my wife and she goes, yeah, I think you are about that stupid. She goes, you love being involved with the kids. You've loved coaching. I, I coached baseball for 16, 17 years. She goes, you go to things anyway. She goes, yeah, you're about that stupid. So why don't you just put in and see what's going to happen? And so, you know, Jeff was that principal. And so we learned the position because he'd been a principal before, but it was more of an elementary. He'd coached high school basketball, but we kind of learned the AD principal, high school principal job together. Um, so I still go to him. He's still involved in our district, no longer principal here, but at the district level. And I still rely on him and contact him for, for advice. And of course there's my wife. I mean, she pushed me into applying. Honestly, if, if I hadn't, if she hadn't said anything, I probably wouldn't even taken the chance. Um, and I'm grateful I did. And she is a high school teacher. She's, we teach at the same high school. We're both at Twila and she's involved in student government. And so, she understands what the hours mm-hmm. it makes it real easy. Hey, I got to stay till nine o'clock tonight or stay till whatever. And she gets it. She doesn't always like it, but to be honest, I don't always like not being home either, but she understands and is very supportive of that. And it's, uh, and I've had other high school teachers that had a huge role in like my career path and everything. But as far as my athletic directing, um, those are the ones that really got me started. Excellent. Well, that's you've obviously answered my next question: is why did you decide to apply for the job? But you've answered that, so let's let's yeah. go down another path. So, since you first started as athletic administrator six years ago to today, how has the job changed? Well, 2020 changed everything just by itself. Um, I I was actually talking to one of our coaches, a couple of our coaches this morning, and I told him about this podcast and was telling them about um, the, one of these questions and how has it changed. That first July that I was hired, I was worried about buses and officials, you know, <laughs> and, and just praying that I was going to have an official and I was going to have my team to where they need to be or whatever. 
now it's more of an administrative role. Uh, our, our district, Tula County School District, when we started out, we were, I taught. I was still mm -hmm. teaching full time. Um, I taught AP government and AP human geography. And then I went to halftime and now I'm a full-time AD and I don't, I'm not in the classroom anymore. As and it should be. That, as it should be. Absolutely. Cause there is, I look back and I don't, there's no way. I don't know how I did it. Um, I probably didn't do it well because I didn't have the time. There's only so many hours in a day. So I probably didn't do as well as I could have. But so when the coaches made the comment to me, he said, well, you're the you're an administrator. Without being an administrator, you just take all the complaints and I'll have to deal with a lot of the stuff. And and there's a lot of truth. In Isn't that, that I, the truth? Absolutely, it is the truth. I I woke up today. I still need to get my officials on for spring sports. Mm -hmm. But I woke up today and I've had to address two issues with coaches and potential trying to put out potential fires. And I haven't had time to put on my softball officials yet. I'm still working on that. No, and that's that's but that's how it's changed. It's before it was, I'd get my officials done. Now it's, I'm going to try to squeeze to get, I'll get them done, but I'm going to have to find time to squeeze it with all the other added responsibilities that have come sure. with this position. I, I remember back in the day, because I'm a little bit older than you before I retired, but I remember getting in my office at seven in the morning and there were days, <laughs> just the phone calls and the messages and the fires to mm -hmm. put out. It was two or three hours before you could get to your menu for the day. So yep. I understand that perfectly. Talk about now your journey. You've been an athletic administrator for six years. Talk about your journey with the UIAAA, because I should have mentioned this at the first year. The president-elect will be president next year. But for someone who's only been an athletic administrator six years, that speaks volumes to the to the point that you chose to get involved or I don't think you were forced, but it's talk yeah, about that and talk forced. about how all that happened. Because I know really since Paul Dart left Tooele, there was kind of a, a void in athletic directors until, until you got there. And as we all know, Paul's a former president of our association. Yep. No. So I'm one of those guys that honestly, if I'm going to do something, I'm not going to go halfway. If it's, I mean, that was one of those things, a job worth doing is a job worth doing right. And so um, I got involved, and my first region meeting that I had, I had um, Trevor Wilson at Stansbury and Jamie Sheets, Park City. They got talking to me, and they just kept pushing me. Hey, this is what you do. Here's, here's how you get certified. And so it didn't take a – I mean, like I said, I, if I was going to get involved, and I realized one of the first things I did after accepting a job, I needed to go get money. I had to go beg bit local businesses for some, for some, um, for money. And they said, and I had several of them say, so you'll be gone next year. Right. I said, no, what are you talking about? Well, we've gone through three ADs in the last three years. You, I said, no, I'm in this. And I realized there needs, like you said, there needs to be some continuity going on. Um, I mean, we've had Rich Valdez too, who who was here for a little yes. and stayed involved in the association, but but there hasn't been much. I mean, as I was a head baseball coach for five years, to be honest, I didn't really have a lot to do with the AD. It was I, I talked to him about getting buses, and if a bus didn't show up on time, that's about all I had. But I knew there could be more to it. And so in talking with Trevor and Jamie, which I, you know they're a huge influence too. And in me, you know, as far as sure. I'm interested, as far as progressing my, 
my career, I saw, all right, here are these classes. Here's what I can do. So I got going as quick as possible on it um, and got my CAA, earned my CAA within a couple of years um, and kind of petitioned the National Association to be able to take my exam just a few months early because of my baseball coaching experience. They, they allowed me to put that towards my points. Okay. And so that's, I got that done pretty quick. And then I, you know what, here's CMA. Let me get better. Let me learn a little bit more. I'm getting the hang of getting officials. I'm getting buses ordered. What more can I do to better the program, the better, um, to make it a, a place that kids want to be and be involved. And once again, turn to those same guys and said, Hey, what do I need, need to do? And Jamie at the time had just done his um, oral presentation of his CMA project. And he, he walked me through that and I got that taken care of in the next couple of years. Um, got my project done and presented and earned that designation um, last school year. So that's awesome. You may, you may be the best interview I've had so far because you've answered two of the questions before I got there. I was going to ask you about your path between the CA and the CMAA. You, you went down that so, so great and explained it. So, well, and you. I think, well, and what happened is with my CMAA, we had um, with Stansbury and Twilla's rivalry, there'd been some, we'd have a few games get kind of ugly. We had a couple of ugly incidences and we meet as a district with the principals and the other ADs every couple of months. And I just made a comment in the meeting. I said, we got to clean this up. This, this can't be happening anymore. And Trevor and I got talking and I created, we uh, put together a sportsmanship summit for the kids in our, our school district and brought these rivals in to, for a half day or four or five hours of some class time, but also some play and some food and, and did that. It went well. The problem is this year, we were going to do it again as a district, but COVID kind of shut that sure. down. So we'll have to pick it back up. But what the plan is in the district is for different ADs to head it up. So it's not just me doing it every year. Next year, Trevor, for example, would take it over. But as ADs, we'd all support and do what we can to help but let one person lead out. But it worked out really well. Excellent. There's, let, me, let me go down this road because you're the okay. beneficiary of having two athletic administrators at the time, uh, former presidents of the mm -hmm. association. So I know you mentioned that a little bit. So what's it like when – is it easier to get involved or – because obviously you have Jamie, you've got Trevor there. And so I think that's got to be a big benefit to you. Well, I think it's huge. I think as ADs, I think any professional, I mean, whether it's a teacher, whether it's an AD or any other type of profession, it's always easier to do something when you feel like you got someone has your, someone has your back where someone's pushing you to, to stretch yourself and to be better. I, that's always, and definitely having past presence. But to be honest, at the time, that didn't mean anything to me. It really wasn't, oh, here they are, past presidents. It, it was, look, here's some colleagues want me to get better and pushing me to get better. And that's what, meant, that's what meant the world. I, titles are great, but titles come and go. You know, as you mentioned, I'm president-elect, I'll be president. But after that, I better not change that much where all of a sudden I'm not willing to help someone else out. And, and I, I see that connection. And the people who have helped, in any walk of life, 
they, they're more invested. They're willing to work and to do what it takes to get better. And then everyone gets better from there. Good answer. Let me ask you this then. And of course, the UIAAA has changed. My goodness, I've been involved for years in this, but it's just changed so much, even in the past four or five years. What is it you would like to accomplish? What, what would you like to leave as your mark as president of the Utah Association? You know, I've thought about that a lot. And it's, you know, COVID gives us a little bit more time to see things a little bit differently. But I know one of the things, I mean, there's probably several, you know, you'd love to change the world in any position you have, right? Mm -hmm. So, but I, I think that diversity education is huge, um, not only amongst ADs and us as professionals, but what are we doing to help our kids, our student athletes, those involved to get in, to be there, whether it be race, religion, socioeconomic status, or whatever it might be, what can we do to, to reach out to those who maybe need an extra hand to, to move forward? Um, diversity is a huge deal. And that's one thing like my mission taught me was in the end, it doesn't matter what people, what their background is. It really doesn't matter. You know, that's the beauty about sports or whether it be the band, orchestra, whatever. A soccer ball doesn't care who, who or what kicks it. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, sports teaches teamwork and we're taught to, to see each other in the same uniform. Your teammates are the ones who have the same color jersey on. That's it. It doesn't matter who they are. And I, I would love to see that continue to improve. Um, I mean, I think we do a good job, but we can always do better. Also, I think you touched upon, we're talking about that mentorship and I know that's already being pushed. I know Trevor's working on the committee, but I'd like to, to do more. I think um, we need to celebrate ADs this year, especially athletic directors have taken the brunt of a lot of things that I talk to other athletic directors when I go to games and go to meetings. I mean, we're all testing now. We're all, I mean, COVID testing. We're doing everything on top of these things and spending extra hours. You know, athletic directors across the state are doing a heck of a job. And, you know, we, they need to be recognized. And they need to be running their, their, their regions um, and being involved because they're on the front lines and they're doing a great job and that needs to be celebrated. Thank you for sharing that. Tell me, what's the favorite part of your job? Watching the kids be able to participate. I mean, that's what it comes down to. It's nice. I think the easiest thing about me when I got into being an athletic director, I had a son who was actually playing baseball for me at the time. Um, he's since graduated and everything, but now I have a son who's a senior and a daughter who's a junior. And I wake up and you go and you spend three or four hours of your day testing. We test twice a week and it's a three or four hour chunk of my day. I get home late at night, but then the next night I see my daughter or my son playing in their game and you realize, okay, this is what it's about. You know, those long hours are a mess sometimes and the extra headaches of this year, but watching the kids being able to play is what it comes down to. And I also love the association with the other athletic directors across the state. You can go anywhere and talk to them and automatically have something in common, even though it might be a 1A school or a 6A school, a 4A school in our case, it doesn't matter. We're all doing a job and it's all stressful and no one understands it except for other athletic directors. Mm -hmm. So that camaraderie is, I love that. I love going to the state and national conventions because of that you remember okay this is why i'm here 
and I'm not alone. There's other people who are in the same boat and I can reach out to them. So I like, I really enjoy that part of it, that aspect of it. Now, thank you for sharing that because that's really a common thing with pretty much every guest we have on here speaks about that networking, that friendship that you have with athletic directors. Mm. I've mentioned this in a few podcasts. You go to a coach's clinic and there's a lot of X's and O's and they'll have guest coaches speak and they give you a lot of information, but they hope they don't give you all the information. They give you all the general stuff. They don't give you the nuts and bolts. They just give you the general stuff. But when you go to an athletic director conference, either nationally or in Utah, people are sharing left and right. Well, you're not, I think, and I've noticed that too, because I'd go to baseball conferences and everyone tells you up to a certain point, but they don't want to give you the ultimate secret because that may be a competitive advantage is gone. In the end, as an AD, you're hoping to make a whole school, a whole region better. And so anything you can do, here's everything I have. I'll share everything you adapted to your situation. Every situation is different. So that's, I agree. I love that part of it. Okay. So let's wind this up and let's go with a couple of finishing questions. My first one is, and you don't fall into this because you're in your seventh year now, but let's say you're a newer athletic administrator by newer. I, I say between one and four years. Okay. And so as someone now who's been around the block, someone who's an expert in Utah, what two things are you going to share with that athletic administrator that you have got to do those two things right off the top to help you be a success? Well, first of all, I think the most important thing is probably communication. Um, or it's got to be at the top. I don't know if it's the most, but it's up at the top. The better you can communicate, the better off you're going to be. Um, nothing worse than going to a coach and saying, hey, you need to do this. Remember I told you this or ask him to do something and come to realize you didn't do it. You didn't do your part of it. I mean, I've done that and made that mistake. And so my philosophy, I'll give you everything I have and then I'll help you. But I think that part of that communication aspect of it too is the listening aspect. I, I mean, we talk about our days and how you go to work and have a certain things you need to get done. First three or four hours are blown because maybe coaches come in and they just need to unload. You need to be just a listening ear. You can't fix their problems but you need to be able to listen. So that, that's huge as far as that communication aspect. I think the second part is, even though I've been in for seven years or even if I was 25 years, yeah, I've, I have more years of experience, but I'm not an expert in everything. I mean, that's one thing I learned real quick is, yeah, I've, I coached baseball for several years, but I don't know how to do soccer. I don't know how to do band or orchestra or debate or, I mean, I'm, I'm still learning. And I think part of that, that humility to recognize, hey, I don't have all the answers, but I'm gonna help you find the answers. And, and because I don't have all the answers, you might have a better answer. So let's talk about it. Let's, once again, keep that lines of communication open and not be afraid to admit, hey, I don't know, or maybe I'm wrong. What do you think would be best? And my relationships with my coaches, they're not perfect. I mean, I'm always trying to get better with them. But one thing I am trying to do is listen to them and listen to their experience and say, what would you do? What do you think is the best? And then I can say, well, here's my perspective. Let's work on it together. This is a collaborative thing. And this is not me telling you what to do. Because in the end, that coach is going to have to talk to their parents too and talk to their kids and be on the sideline or wherever they are. Um, 
So I think that communication, that humility allows you to build that trust and respect and just kind of helps build a better overall program. I want to take a moment here before I get to the last question to, uh, to thank you and for the great job that you've done. I've been in this association, like I mentioned earlier, I can remember the days of Paul Dart, who was actually president before I was. And then of course, Rich took over for him. But like we spoke earlier in the broadcast, it was kind of a, I don't know, but you, you've obviously bridged that gap because there were some, there were some few lean years for Tuila after the old guys. I don't want to call them old guys, but they're more well, of, of my age group. And now well, you've brought that. When back. I talk to them, I tell when I talk to them, I call them old guys. So they we we <laughs> joke about. It. I still talk to Paul and to, and to Rich, so it's good. Excellent. All right, so let's finish with this question. At least you think I came up with this originally. I didn't. I stole it from another interviewer. What okay. question should I have asked you that I haven't asked you? That's a great question. I, you know, I, I think you hit it. I think the important thing with, with doing the UI AAA connection, I think is, is for us to, for us to communicate and find another way to talk with each other and to support each other. And I love the fact that you've pushed this out um, and making this available because we all are working together for a common goal. We're not competing. I'm not competing against Corner Canyon, you know, or whatever. I mean, maybe on the athletic field, there might be opportunities to, to have that competition. But in the end, it's great to be able to celebrate those accomplishments. I mean, I know the UHSAA has been, every time they hand out a state trophy this year, they're just excited they got through another season. Sure. Well, I, I, think, I think every athletic administrator across the state feels that way, you know? here's an opportunity and what can I do to get better to improve my craft? And, and maybe that's it. And maybe that's a question. What are you doing to improve your craft to get better? Maybe that's a, a question you can ask is, you know. Okay. So let of, me ask, let me ask you that. So you have okay. a CMAA now and you're going to yep. be president of the UI AAA. So what is it you mm -hmm. can do to make you better at what you do as an athletic administrator? You know, and I, one thing, continue to, to take LTI courses. I mean, I think there's always value in, in learning formally, but I also try to spend time reading up. I, I love reading leadership books right now, um, and I have for several years, you know, finding ways to improve that, um, reaching out to other people and finding out what's working for them and what's not working for them. I don't, I love stealing ideas from other people. I love going to talk to the other athletic directors, whether at their school or just out and passing. Okay, what are you doing? How do you handle this? Um, we had, we were hosted Uinta the other night in basketball, in boys and girls basketball. And I was talking to our assistant principal and said, how are you handling this? I, I mean, I don't, I'm not the expert. I don't have the answers. So let's see if we, if there's parts of it that they're doing that I like and other parts I don't like, or, and that's fine. But I think, so what I'm doing is I'm just trying to get better and I'm making mistakes, but I'm also getting better and learning from those mistakes. Excellent. Let me ask you a follow-up unrelated question since you brought up that Go you had it. you win it the other night. People yep. don't understand when I first came to Jordan, we had Tawilla, Murray, Jordan, Carbon, Union, and mm -hmm. you win it in the same league. Mm -hmm. And I've made that mm -hmm. trip, but... 
did you get a chance to speak to the head coach of the you want a girls team? I only mention that because Christy Putnam is a former player of mine who played for me. Oh, really? I didn't know that. I didn't. Yeah, I talked to her the night before. They we had them out Tuesday night and the boys out last night. And so, yeah, I talked. I didn't talk to her real long. Um, I know one of their assistants pretty well, and so I was talking to her and we were talking. We were we we're talking COVID and and how are you handling this and what are you doing with your athletes? How are you testing your athletes? So. Yeah, we're always picking each other's brains, and that's and that makes it. I enjoy it because I come away going, "Oh, I learned something." Mm. Small world. I want to thank you, Kathan, for taking the chance to be on our our podcast. Like I say, it's brand new. We just started in January, but uh, we're trying to get a whole bunch of people from Utah on. And having you as a CMAA and as the future president of our association, I can't thank you enough. To our listeners, we hope you turn in. Next Friday for another edition of the UI Triple Connection. We'll see you later. Thanks, Stephen. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.